Hey, it is, it is so good to be here. If you would, open up your Bibles to Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 65 and then Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. We have some notes and, and things in there. Uh, so I believe there will be something on the screen for you to follow along with that. But I'm so excited about this merger. And I'm excited for a, a lot of different reasons few of us showed up early this morning and we're used to like setting up and tearing down and I typically get you know there like two three hours before and I got here this morning I said there's nothing to set up there's no pipe and drape and so uh, thank you for having a building Um, (laughs) so good Uh, so good it's it's nice to have uh, an office and uh, it's so good to be here but really the the purpose behind this is isn't just two organizations coming together. It's not just, you know, the ability to uh, add more people. I don't know if you notice, there's there's probably a few more people in the room. Both of us are are used to. But really, the idea is, what if Denver looked more like heaven? What if Denver looked more like heaven? So that's the question I want to seek to answer this morning. What if Denver looked more like heaven? What would that look like? And so lot of benefits to us coming together. We're, a lot, we're allowed to do a lot more. We, we sing louder. We can do more things in, in the community. But ultimately, what if Denver looked more like heaven? And, and so what I've realized is I'm, I'm, I'm 36. Uh, we have two little girls. They're seven and six years old. This is my wife, Anna, in the pink here in the front row. Uh, we lived in, I've lived in Denver most of my, most of my life. And, and what I've realized is Hey, that, that the more um, mature I get, the more I spend time in the Word. Some of you are laughing. You're like, he's not mature. Some of you know. Uh, just wait. Um, that that the, the things that our culture chases after, the things that I find myself chasing after so many times just don't meet my desires. Uh, I was... You know, working in the garage, uh, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and I was just looking at the garage, and I just see a bunch of things, and maybe your, your garage is similar to my garage, a bunch of things that I thought one, at one point would be it. At one point, that was the thing. Uh, I'm a shoe guy, um, and so a closet full of shoes that at one point I thought, okay, this is the last pair, and then the new pair comes out, and uh, I have a lot of things, and what I've realized is that things don't meet our desires. Things don't meet our desires. We, in our culture, consistently stack up things. I believe I was, I was looking at some studies, and we are one of the only countries in the world that, that has storage units for things. <laughs> things don't meet our desires, and you know that. Uh, that's why you keep buying more things. That's why Amazon exists. I believe that, that a lot of us, we're just aimlessly shopping the things of the world to, to make us happy, to, to fulfill a desire that we have. And, and more than things, what, we've, what we also realize is that people don't always live up to expectations. You probably realize that, Right? Uh, I was a, in youth ministry for, for 10 years, and what I realized in youth ministry is that those kids who come in as that 6th grader who's just so sweet, by the time they get to 11th and 12th grade, they're a completely different human. 
And so these kids that you raise and you raise them a certain way and, and then they get to middle school and they start to have awkward conversations. They start to look kind of awkward and say awkward things and then they smell awkward as well. These middle, like they change and then they get into high school and then that boy, that girl comes into their life and then they completely change again. And then they get to college and they start to get interests and they choose a major or they choose a career path. And what we know is that they change and then they change again and that people are constantly changing. The person that you married is not the person that you're looking at anymore. And you're wondering what happened. You know that the majority of, of divorces happen after the kids leave the home. That people are always changing. We know that desires change, friends change, family changes, and nothing really ever feels like home. Nothing ever really feels like home. I was born in England. My dad was in the, in the military, and, uh, and uh, we moved to Colorado when I was in first grade. And I remember going back uh, in about third grade, and I just remember, like, oh, it's going to be so awesome. I get to see family again, get to see friends again, go to the places, eat, eat at the spots that I like to eat. I remember going there and staying in my old room and being just so homesick. And then I remember coming back to the, the U.S. and just feeling so homesick that nothing really ever feels like home. We need something more. And we make ourselves out to be fake kings and fake queens in somebody else's kingdom. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. We realize that this world is not our home. That the things don't satisfy, the people don't satisfy, the experiences don't satisfy. And what we see in our city is that people consistently chase after those things that will never satisfy. They chase after those things that will never satisfy. So as you open up your Bibles, I want to paint a picture of what this home looks like. And so Isaiah paints this picture of the forever home. And it starts off like this. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth. He starts off, right, maybe the most controversial thing that he could have said, right? The, the idea of creation alone is controversial. And now Isaiah is saying, and he's going to do it again. And he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth, not just a new reign, but a new creation, a recreation. And the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever. Rejoice forever. I've been in church a, a long time. I came to, to Jesus when I was a freshman in high school. And what I've realized is that my rejoicing is temporary, right? My rejoicing happens in experiences. My rejoicing happens. But, but the idea of rejoicing forever, Revelation paints this picture of the, the angels surrounding Jesus and screaming out, holy, 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 forever. Rejoice forever in that which I create, that he's creating something that we can rejoice in. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. 
No more shall be heard in the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old. The idea that there's no fear of death. And the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The idea that your labor will be recognized. How many of you here work for a company, a corporation where like, okay, they could fire you tomorrow, replace you, and everything would be fine in the company? Right, most of us, right? I have a, I have a full-time job. I'm a bivocational pastor, which means that I get to do this. This is my passion, but I have a full-time job that fuels the passion, right? They could fire me tomorrow, replace me, and that's fine. But the idea that they'll build houses and then inhabit them, that they will plant vineyards and eat the fruit, the idea that your labor will be recognized. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall uh, long enjoy the work of their hands. Have you ever felt like you're just working to work? And what Isaiah is saying is that there will be productivity in the kingdom. He closes like this. They shall not labor in vain, or in vain, or bear children for calamity, and they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord, and their descendants with them. And then he says this, he says, before they call, I will answer. Wait, what? But before you pray, he's already answered. Before you utter the desire, it's already fulfilled. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Father God, we come to you and we, as we approach, God, your word, as we dive into this, God, would you speak to us? Would we, God, see this community transformed so that we could say in Denver as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what would it look like to see this kind of kingdom of God here today? How is this picture of the kingdom supposed to impact our world right now? Because when we look at this and we see these things, we really don't have a reference point for this, do we? We don't have a reference point for any of this. And so what God does is he uses human language and uses human illustrations to describe what this is all going to look like. Like when God uses the term father, it's the closest thing that we have, right? It's the closest thing that we have. When speaking of things of heaven, the Bible uses things that we understand to get our hearts prepared. And so what we see here is a beautiful Future, the totality all that of all of God has created, it's Genesis re, reborn. However, in the world that we live in and the city that we live in, we don't see any of this. Every everything is broken. Have you ever watched the Nature Channel? Ever watched the Nature Channel and watched like Shark Week? Like that is brokenness. They, they eat each other, right? I was watching uh, a show with my little girls called The Lion Guard. Um, and so, you know, Lion King, but, but now they're, you know, trying to make more money. So they came up with The Lion Guard. Disney does that. And so 
in, in this show, there's a, there's a warthog, there's a, whatever Timon is, there's, and lions all kind of hanging out together. And what I realized when we were watching that show is this isn't, this isn't real. Like that lion is going to eat all of them in reality. <laughs> that lion will eat. He is the king of the jungle and he will destroy all, he will kill, kill all of it. The antelope that is hanging out with the warthog and the lion. Nope, that lion is eating the warthog and like flossing its teeth with the bones. Like that's what happened. And this is the world that we live in, right? This idea of the circle of life that that most of our culture will buy into. That we we live. This is the idea of the Lion King, by the way, right? You live and you die, and then your body fertilizes the ground which then feeds the antelope, which then the lion eats, and then they die. And it's the the circle of life, which is incredibly hopeless. It's incredibly hopeless. It's not just our world that's broken, but we experience that brokenness. We experience that loneliness and that purposeless now. We have a deep desire for something more. When we hear this idea of the circle of life, we have a deep, deep desire for something. Well, there has to be something better than that, right? There has to be something better. And our, our city is experiencing this. Did you know that Denver is one of the loneliest cities in the world? They did a, a study on this. Uh, Cigna Health did this study, and it said that 52% of Denverites say that no one really knows them. And so why is Cigna, this health company, researching loneliness because they say that loneliness is a health epidemic, that people are struggling with the idea, with this concept of loneliness. And so uh, they say that being lonely is as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And so they're saying, hey, loneliness is killing people. And so what can we do to help people. Denver is among the three loneliest cities in the United States. There are only two lonelier cities. You could probably guess them. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, number one by far. Sin City, who would have thought? Uh, number two, number two, Washington, D.C. Um, I won't say anything about Washington, D.C. I was just there. Um, we can talk about that later. Almost, these cities, almost three times the national average for loneliness. That our city is experiencing just a deep need for community, a deep need for connection. Gen Z, for all of their connectivity, for all of their ways that they're able to connect with each other and send each other videos and all the stuff that they do, the TikTok, the Snapchat, the Facebook, the Twitter, they're always connected. Gen Z is the loneliest generation in the history of the world. In the midst of all this, Jesus gives us a better story. Jesus gives us a better story. In Matthew chapter 6, this is where this idea of in Denver as it is in heaven came from. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. And this is what he says, starting in verse 9. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a very famous passage. Maybe you grew up memorizing this passage. If you grew up in a you know, Catholic church, you, you just repeated this or kind of church that just repeated this all the time and never really dove into, into it. But in the context of this passage, right, we take it out of context and we pray it, we make it a thing. But in the context of this passage, Jesus is talking about how do you live as kingdom citizens here now. I always took this, and when I always prayed this, when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I always thought, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to destroy all the people I don't like, all the unbelievers, and his kingdom is going to come, and his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That one day, we're going to escape, and it's going to be great. But that's not the context of what he's talking about. Everything he's talking about is how to live as kingdom citizens here now. The Beatitudes. How do you live as a kingdom citizen right now? Then he talks about being salt and light. Then he talks about loving your enemies. Then he talks about giving to the needy. All practical ideas of how to live as followers of Jesus here now. So then the Lord's Prayer is not some escapist thing, but it is how do you live. It's this declaration that my allegiance isn't to anything else but the kingdom of God. So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're saying my allegiance is to one kingdom and one kingdom alone. What, what Romans then says is that this world is experiencing the, the birth pains and anticipation for this coming kingdom. And then as God's people, we are those kingdom declarers, those kingdom bearers. When we speak this, it is a commitment to God that changes things. 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth, right? That gives us purpose, a deep purpose. And so we say in Denver as it is in heaven because that's our local context. We're a local church in Denver, we believe that our mission starts here and goes out to the end of the world. So we say, in Denver, as it is in heaven, that is our context. The idea of purpose is just so huge that, that we said that our city is experiencing deep loneliness. Our city is also experiencing deep purposelessness. What is our purpose? And so Lifeway did a study, we'll put it up on the screen here, on the, the, uh, they surveyed, I believe, 200,000 or so people. And the question was, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? How often do you ponder this idea? 21% of people said, I ponder that daily. How can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? 21% weekly, 15% monthly, right? And, and so people, the majority of people are thinking about this idea. How can I find purpose? When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's both talking about place and purpose. The kingdom is, is this allegiance that goes beyond anything else. As a local church body, our context is Denver, where we live, where we work, where we minister. That The kingdom then is our purpose. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, I'm aligning myself with the mission of Jesus. Looking at this then in Isaiah 65, this idea of this kingdom that Isaiah lays out, what is the practical reality of that here 
now? How do we play that out in our, in our context? What does this look like for us? What does the tangible kingdom really look like? And so I've summarized really what this idea looks like. And just to put, to give us handlebars on Isaiah chapter 65, if we could just put that up there. The first is in verse 18, the city is a delight, people are a joy. Church, how many people in our community can say that of Christians? That they are delightful and they are a joy. Let's go to the next one. God delights in the city and her people. Let's go to the next one. Elderly are living long and full lives. Stable housing and access to quality food. There is economic justice. People enjoy meaningful work that bears great fruit. The city has hope, certainty that future peace is secure. Children are valued, protected, and nurtured. We live in a country that does not value children, but instead will allow you to destroy that child in the womb. Let's keep going. I'm not going to get on that. That's a whole other thing. Drew can preach that sermon. Intergenerational family support and healthy family structures. The city is fully reconciled to God. What does this look like? There is not violence. There is uh, reconciliation between humanity and creation. What would this look like in our city? What would Denver look like if we really lived this out? What would this city look like? What would it look like for Denver to look like this? Dream with me for a second. For Denver to be reconciled, for Denver to have a, for, for economic justice, for the, the poor to say, I know a place to go, for the hungry to say, I'm being fed. What would that look like? And you know what's interesting is that Harvard came out with the, this study of what would human flourishing look like in a community. So, so they, they studied and they said, hey, we, we really want to see human flourishing in our communities. And so they came out with this study, and this is what they said that, that, you know, the, that people need, that they need family, work, education, and a religious community, and all that kind of ties to this idea of, these ideas of, of happiness and life satisfaction, physical and mental health, meaning and purpose, character and virtue, and close social relationships. And so what they did is they started putting you know, infrastructure in the place so that they can see this in community. But you know what's interesting is that Isaiah talks about all of this. Isaiah talks about all of this. You can see that the, the connection there, that happiness and life satisfaction, yep, that's true in the kingdom of God. Physical and mental health, yep, that's true in the kingdom of God. Financial and material stability, that's true in the kingdom of God. Let's go to the next one. Meaning and purpose, yep, that's true in the kingdom of God. Character and value, true in the kingdom of God. Close social relationships, true in the kingdom of God. What would it look like for Denver to look like heaven. Harvard is saying that, that this is how you do it. So as kingdom citizens, how do we live this way? What if we stop praying the prayer of escapists and started praying the prayer of citizens of God living in context now? That everywhere that it, there is death, we bring life. Everywhere that is darkness, we bring light. Seeking the kingdom of God and the benefit of our city 
That is our purpose. You want to cure loneliness in our city? Give them purpose. Give them a community. You want to cure purposelessness? This is, this is it. And so the question should be, well, how do, I, how do I be a part of that? How do I become a part of that? And the answer is simple. So you have to put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's a regular, everyday thing. It's a daily thing. Have you ever met somebody who walks like this? Who, who lives out these like kingdom principles all day, every day? See, because it's easy for me to get up here on Sunday and to do this, to pull a few slides together and, and open up and, and teach. It's easy for me to do this, but you know what's difficult is really living this kind of stuff Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. It's hard to really walk like this, but how do you live like this every single day? How do you walk in this kind of authority that Jesus has given you as kingdom citizens? It's about daily trust every single day. For many of us, we've, we've trusted in Jesus. You're, maybe you're trusting him here now, but, and you love Jesus, but are you in abiding in him in all of your circumstances? You may love Jesus, but you feel like you have no hope now. And you're looking at the busy world and, and things just continue to distract you. I, I realize that there are all sorts of things that happen in your life. I realize that the, the pain is real. But there's something more real than the pain that you're experiencing right now. And that is Jesus. I believe that God this morning is doing a work in all of us. That he's doing a work in all of us to live like these kind of kingdom citizens, to give us this hope that we might need, that we might be the kind of people in the middle of a dark situation, in the middle of a struggling city that can say, but God, and step into that and walk people through that. Are you a representation of the kingdom of God? Let it be said among us and in our community, that Forefront loved, that Forefront lived as citizens of the kingdom of God, that we preached the gospel of Jesus, that we healed the sick, we loved the poor, we fought against injustice, we raised up the next generation to do the same in Denver as it is in heaven. Let me pray.